Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Online Warriors podcast. The dog days of summer remain upon us. And uh, I'm Legal86, still here. I'm joined as always by Tectic Hi. and Nerd Bomber. Tectic's drinking coffee. The days are yeah. over. The dog days are still here. That's how I stay sharp and not sing weird songs. Do you, in the summer months, I transition to iced coffee. Do you stay hot coffee throughout the entire year? As Depends a what time drink. of day it is. In the summer, I will, I, I will drink hot coffee all year round. If it's nighttime, I'm drinking hot. If it's daytime, I'll drink iced. So right now, so it's evening right now, listeners. So you're coffee. drinking hot coffee. So let's talk about this for a little bit because it's not like we have anything more important to get to. I can't, I can't, I can't with this. Like... I've always wondered as a social construct, you know how like you go out to a nice place for dinner or like you eat Thanksgiving dinner and it's like seven o'clock. People are like, how about some coffee? Yeah. Who, who started that? I think I some think people right. are just built different. Some people's but bodies, they you... can handle caffeine and go to bed just fine late at night. And I'm not like an energy drink guy or any of that stuff. I can, just, I can have a cup of coffee and hit the old snoozeroo an hour later. See, it's funny because... When we were on vacation, you know, I had like, you're having pastries and stuff. It's a pastry shop. You're having dessert and you can't not ha- have coffee with it. And I think it was probably like seven thirty, eight o'clock. I had a coffee and I was up all night. I didn't understand. Yes, she was. Are you Ew. gross? Are you doing, are you drinking coffee right now for the caffeination benefit? Like, were you tired and you made coffee? Or was it? I genuinely just enjoy coffee at the, at the end of a long day. So a little column A, little that's column messed up, a. man. That's messed up. I don't think I don't think that's. I right. don't usually drink it this late. Typically, my like prime coffee time is like six thirty, seven o'clock. That is like my favorite time for an evening coffee. Yeah, listener, it's we're recording this at nine o'clock. That's like <laughs> finish this. I'm gonna go to bed. You're gonna be zooming around the walls until one. Although okay. it's not like you're. That's like your resting state. Yeah, you guys are late bedtimers over there. I'm you just don't bedtime. sleep. I'm a grandpa. We're an average five hours of sleep. Is that actually, is that an accurate figure? For probably. me, probably, yeah. For him, not so much. I would say I usually get in bed around like 12, but on like bad days, 1, one thirty, and then I have to get up at 6, so. You don't get up at 6. My first alarm goes off at 6.18. <laughs> no, my first alarm goes off at 6.18, and then I lay there until my like final alarm goes off. Yeah, so I usually go to bed at 11.30, and I get up at 6. I hate to fall back on this phrase, but that's messed up. Like, okay, there's a lot of things that are messed up. One, 10, 10.30 p.m. bedtime, it's it's elite. Let me just say, I, I'm part of that gang, and it's a great gang. We're, t- we're accepting applications for new membership. I encourage you guys to apply. But so many things happen at night. Like not good, not good things. I say nothing good I ever disagree. happens past like a certain hour, especially during the summer. And that hour is like 2 a.m nothing good happens after 2 a.m very far cry from 10 a- 10 p.m but like haven't you gone outside on a nice summer night Peaceful. and like it's not truly dark until 10 o'clock and that is like prime sit outside no, I'm listen sl- to I- the bugs watch the stars you know what's better than that do you guys know how good sleep is i feel like you guys have, are, we, are we on different okay, planets, like, planes of existence during the summer or during the weekend rather I will sleep in until like eight or nine. That is my ideal wake up time. All of these early morning people, I don't understand. You. Yeah. Like, I, I was going to say, if you didn't have a like a job, what would you normally get up at 6 a.m.? See, okay. You're I'm glad an you early morning up. person, aren't you? I'm I, gonna go, don't, I don't want to be. I don't want to be. Okay. 
I am so rigidly locked into my like 10.30 to 6.30 schedule that on the weekends, I'm typically up and kicking. And by up and kicking, I mean like I'm in bed on my phone, but I'm awake. Probably like between 7 and 7.30. See, I, I hate, hate that. that. I don't like I, that. I hate, it. I hate it for me. I hate it for me. I'm exactly. Not and that's why, that's why I'm saying you're saying that 10.30 is prime. But really, I think naturally, you want to be getting up at 8, 8.30 maybe, and then staying up a little later, maybe maybe. You're past ten thirty. Maybe you're up till midnight. You're looking at the stars. You maybe no, see, maybe you bust uh, out the old telescope and, and say, "Hey, look at the rings on Jupiter." If I don't get a tight like Saturn seven to seven and a half, I lose my sunny disposition. Yeah, but okay. And so if you go to bed podcast. at midnight and you wake up at seven thirty, eight o'clock, there's your seven, my, seven and a half. My there you go. well, my my commute to work doesn't support that. But on the weekends, you can do that. I'm saying if you didn't have a job naturally. You on know the we're weekends, right. I do. I do occasionally do that. See, you know what the key? So you said you're rigidly, you're locked into your work week schedule, and you know what the key to having your ideal schedule on the weekends? Freaking sleep deficit. Drinking I have, coffee. I have no problem oh. sleeping in on Saturday and Sunday because I get those couple hours. Like I'm not waking up at the crack of dawn like I do during the work week because I'm tired. I've got that sleep deficit. So you're saying torture yourself for five days and recover for two days well yes because the weekend is my ideal life so yeah i'm setting up the rest of my week so that the days and i get my ideal life i can live it the way that i want to because let's be real if you compare early morning to late at night late at night's got the upper hand you can go to the drive-in you can't do that in the morning people are gonna be like turn their movie off you can't even see it the projector won't even be able to project it's too light out screw that that feels like a very specific example well, no, but like even you can't have a campfire at seven in the morning. Nobody wants that. I have another bone to pick with you. Six eighteen. Yeah, that's psycho. That's psycho stuff. You have to pick a. You have to pick a, de- a division of five, or else it's so psycho. Six eighteen is because the iPhone, and you should know this. The iPhone, when you snooze it, does eight minute increments. It doesn't do five. It doesn't do ten. It does eight, and I don't know how to change that. I'm sure there's probably a setting, yeah, but, but yeah, the but snooze eight, eight is minutes. eight. Yeah, but eight minutes from 6.18 is 6.26. That's almost worse. No, but my time used to be 6.10. And after habitually snoozing with the iPhone, it became 6.18. That is how we get to 6.18. The solution to this problem is don't hit the snooze. I want to start a a public service announcement, like a campaign of of commercial or something. We need to, as a society, snoozing has destroyed us. We need to stop. No, no, no. I, I disagree. But I think it should be illegal to snooze more than once. I think snoozing is fine. The key to snoozing is like you have to stay awake. You can't fall back into a deep sleep. You basically just have that, to lay that, there and called, dread it's getting up. It's called the snooze. It's called the snooze. I get that. But like when the first alarm goes up, that wakes you up. But you're like, this bed is warm. It is cozy. I don't want to start my day yet. So I'm just going to lay here with my eyes closed and hope that I don't have to get up yet. And that's what the snooze button's for. It's basically your time to lay in bed gradually then be like, come to terms with the day that you have to get out of your cozy bed that's what the snooze button is i do that i do that in the shower i I, i'm usually here's a fun fact about me which is probably going to horrify you i i would say on a given seven day week at least four of those days probably five my alarm doesn't even go off i'm up what is wrong my alarm's up for 625 you go to bed so early it's because you're going to bed too early i think i'm living an ideal life sleep wise I think you are incorrect. You're missing out on the joys well, of nighttime. 
You know what this means. At Online Warriors 1, at OW Legal 86, at OW Technic, at OW Nerd Bomber. These are all our accounts on X. I can't call it Twitter anymore. The lawyers told me not to. Come hit us up on X. I just want to say I enjoy that I'm right in the middle of your guys' both sleep times. You're 10.30. Yeah. You're, she's 12.30. I'm 11.30. They call it, they call it fence sitting. It's good. It's happy to have you there. Let us know. When do you go to bed? When do you wake up? If... You, if your alarm is set for an indivisible time, like 618, do you belong in prison? I, you could argue I'm leading the witness, but I think it's a, it's a reasonable question. Those are our handles. Hit us up there. We're going to talk today about Uncharted. We're going to talk today about Detective Pikachu Returns. We're going to talk today about The Last Ronin, which someone, and by someone I think I mean Technic, is going to have to explain a lot of things to me. So let's start with that. Let's start with The Last Ronin, because this was announced at the THQ Nordic Digital Showcase. We got a trailer for... This is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I feel like I should say that. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, The Last Ronin. We got a trailer that was like 45 seconds to a minute long. We got four candles, I, I would assume, representing the four turtles. Which, like, the, the three of them go out of that... Just exactly what I what the doctor prescribed for this game. You know, we've talked about this game a little bit in the past, and the one thing that I absolutely said has to be there is a dark, gritty, Batman-like vibe. And this teaser trailer did not disappoint. As I've mentioned before, if you don't know, The Last Ronin is a story where all but one of the turtles have been killed over time. This takes place in a dystopian future. And it's basically following you through the, quote, mystery turtle out to get vengeance for his his fallen brothers. So I, you're not supposed to know who the turtle is. I know that, who it is because I've read through the comics. Well, sh- sure. But, but like the average Joe. The average supposed to know. Joe is not supposed to know. And, and, and it really makes it fantastic is you never know. Like it could be anyone until the very, very end in which you're like, what? I didn't see that one come in. Does does he like pizza? I mean, they all like pizza. Well, do wait. Do they all? Yeah, do they, they like pizza. Okay. I, I here's my thing. I have very limited Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles experience. The experience that I do have is nothing like this. I do not know where I sit in the cross section of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle fans. I'm not much of a fan, but to me, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles has always been very happy-go-lucky, very irreverent, very hey, we like pizza and we're turtles that are ninjas like it's not it doesn't take itself seriously it's not meant to be taken seriously this is clearly a departure from oh absolutely i'm not i'm not necessarily questioning that that can work i'm questioning how receptive people will be to it they they will be so i like i said the proof is already in the pudding this this comic run is critically acclaimed as one of the best tmnt comic arcs and so there is no reason why the video game adaptation wouldn't have the same level of love and just people falling falling in love with this story head over heels head over heels my question and i think this is super cool honestly like a very cool concept a, a way to milk a different aspect of teenage mutant ninja turtles a way to give a different play style experience because if you look at all the previous historic tmnt games most of them have been like your side scroller beat em up style games and i think this is just a cool deviation and just a way to get something different out of the ip from a gaming perspective just a cool plot line as well but why is it that when a superhero like loses his way 
He always becomes Ronin. Because wasn't that also uh, what Hawkeye, Hawkeye. began? Yeah, <laughs> became Hawkeye in becomes. MCU. I, isn't Ronin just like us? I don't. Is it a Japanese word for like is lone it? wolf, lone warrior? I would assume. Because it's like, like we need to have like an entomology lesson here. Well, there's also like non superhero context meanings for Ronin. I think I'm gonna do a quick Google and we'll see. Ooh, okay, also a movie. so it's a historical noun. In feudal Japan, a wandering samurai who had no lord or master. Which tracks. It's yeah, not that, okay, like it's tracks. a trope. Or, like, it tracks with the story. I feel like the last Ronin is, a, a, like, he's just Ronin. Doesn't matter. I mean, he's the last turtle. I mean, maybe I'm splitting hairs here. Maybe well, they it, all became Ronin. Yeah, and- it, it started with Master Master Splinter, right? And then they, so they no longer had a master. And then one by one, pew, 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 and he's the last one. So it tracks. So are we going to, and you seem to know the thing or two about the comic run. Are we going to see those folks die? I guess not because then we know who the last one is. You start, enter, hey, this is what happened. It's go time. So one thing that I think would be very cool, but again, I'm not a, a game designer, nor am I involved with this game, but I think it would be cool to discover the identity of the last Ronin, assuming that you haven't read the comics by like a series of flashbacks almost so like you play sequences as the fallen turtles and it's not until like you fall in each sequence that you know like which turtle you were playing and then by the end of the third like flashback sequence then you put it all together like oh this is the the last ronin now like i know who i am honestly that would be the perfect way to do it the other thing this game needs skill tree you have four different like weapons so yeah, is he taking on all of his brother's weapons? Yeah, he does. That's that's what he uh, uses. But like, I think it would be cool for each player to have a unique playing experience by filling out a skill skill tree in a, in a manner in which suits them as the player. I think it would help kind of have them dive into the story and be one with the Ronin. But it would be cool if there were like subtle Easter eggs where if you were really closely paying attention, you'd notice that like your turtle skewed towards a specific weapon. Ooh. Or hear me out. I know because this already exists. And now I'm just like speculating. And you game developers, uh, THQ Nordic, feel free to get in touch and steal these ideas because this could be cool. Imagine they're going to stray a little bit away from the comic run. So like we know the comics are established. There's a storyline. There is a last Ronin defined. Imagine in the game, based on your the decisions that you make, and now this is again all speculative. This is not oh, an it can game, be a different, but it, it could can be, be a different, different turtle. What you do, yeah. Think about that. Driving different playthroughs, different play styles. There's a lot. I don't of think questions. it should make it different. If anything, I'm still kind of wondering if they actually tell you who it is or just leave you with a cliffhanger. It's it's interesting because you know games often offer like Easter eggs is the term you use, nerd bomber like. Things you can pick up and like do a bunch of reading about like the war in the world that you're in. When there's such well-defined, easy to understand, critical driving question behind the narrative like this that's going to be introduced right away. Who is this guy? Which one is he? It's It must be a challenging and interesting task to dole out that sort of optional pickup stuff. Dole that information out in such a way that it remains unknown, but it provides you with more clues. So like, you know, can it reward players in, a, in an effective way so that by the end, when the big reveal happens, they already know. It, and like, do, do yourself a favor, guys. Don't look it up. I was convinced it was a completely different turtle and it just made my mind blowing that much more satisfying. I will say Tactic already spoiled it for me. It was do you want to be 
like the players that are into the game are going to be hell-bent on finding out who it is but they're as a game developer you also want them to be to have that visceral experience at the end and be shocked by the reveal so how do you balance that i think is that's why i think it could be cool if they kind of flip it on its head and don't go with the established storyline and have it be any turtle well i don't disagree but based on what tactic is saying it seems like this this comic run is too big of a deal for them to do that it's too big of a deal for them to do that yeah you, you heard it right there you just said it i do not know when this comes out no release date has been revealed. Being handled by Black Forest Games, known for Destroy All Humans and Destroy All Humans 2. That's about all we know. I mean, th- this there wasn't gameplay footage. There wasn't really anything other than like a cool cinematic showing that there's there's one turtle as signified by the candles. So much more to come, I'm sure, about that one. But we had another interesting trailer for Detective Pikachu Returns. Now, We've talked about Detective Pikachu, and this was, to be clear, this was not the Nordic Digital Showcase. This was a very different thing. I want to help help me understand this, because I am interested, even as a non-Pokemon guy, a very vocally non-Pokemon guy. The detective mystery is really pulling you in, huh? Well, I, I just, I, I, I appreciate the design. I appreciate ah. this, this, this idea that you have, a, you know, a Pokemon and a, a person the Pokemon can only talk to and interact with Pokemon who you need to solve the mystery. The person can only talk to and interact with people who you need to solve the mystery because you're just gathering information. I'm on a big, as it happens, I'm on a very big like mystery kick right now. I want to watch a bunch of mystery movies. I want to like read a bunch of mystery novels. Mystery games are kind of tricky. Like I don't, I'm not sure that that genre of games is as fleshed out as it should be. And I'm not, to be clear, I'm not necessarily saying that like, detective pikachu returns is going to be the cornerstone of that genre the new cornerstone of that genre but yeah i'm i'm atypically interested in this even as as a non-pokemon fan i will say the name tim goodman is ridiculous they need to do better that's (laughs) that's like my main point of feedback when they said this guy's name is tim goodman i was like well they can't change those character names those are well established but it's lazy. You guys keep wanting things changed that, that can't be changed. Well, Tactic, take us through your thoughts on Detective Pikachu Returns. First of all, I know I asked this the last time we talked about it. Have you guys played the first Detective Pikachu, which I did not know was anything but a movie until the last time we talked about this? No, but I really want to. I think it's on the DS and it's expensive. That is the problem. The dang money's being money. The DS is expensive or the game is expensive? <laughs> or both? The game. The last time I checked it was, at least. It probably... Maybe it went down. I'm going to... While Tectic regales you about his thoughts, I'm going to Google this. Well, you heard the lady regalus. So, my thoughts on this game were... So, originally when we saw this trailer a while back, or a different trailer, the thing that really concerned me was the speaking. It, it all seemed like it was just generic mouth moving and insert language here. This trailer allowed me to move beyond that and not fixate it on, because now it's showing a lot more things that you can do and experience and and ways in which you're exploring and progressing in the story. The thing that really blew me away is it's it's not just a, a talking simulator. You're not just going around and collecting data. You're actually doing tasks and following paths. The coolest thing was we had the opportunity to see him jump on a Growlithe and sniff out evidence or inversely another Pokemon punch down a wall and you're, you're traversing through this maze. And it's just, they've really taken it to the next level of the things that you're able to do in this game in order to solve the mystery. And I thought that was really cool. So Detective Pikachu on the 3DS, by the way, is $45, which isn't that expensive, but it's still a little pricey for my blood. 
pricey for your blood yeah no i like i said I, i'm i'm interested i like the concept i just i also i was i happened to watch the trailer for this and my wife was in the room and she's like that is not what pikachu sounds like which i know is like part of the joke of this whole thing but yeah a little jarring he's a he's a real private eye that guy that uh that and the coffee references something about it like i know that's not what pikachu is supposed to sound like but i just relate man it sounds like grizzled pikachu has really seen some stuff you know i can relate is that why you made coffee before this episode tactic no okay although i I do love his love for coffee that is not why maybe i am detective pikachu am i cute and yellow well you're not yellow but yeah no i i like i said i'm interested i i want to like like have either of you guys and i don't know has is la noir a mystery or does it just seem like it's a mystery? like i want to i want recommendations from our folks what is a good mystery game preferably one that's actually cheap, but like i i want a mystery experience i have one that you're immediately like you're gonna throw on the pile of nerd bomber recommendations that you'll never actually play it's a mountain at this um, point but I, I, I the climb telltale <laughs> The Telltale Games, The Wolf Among Us, it's not as investigative as probably you're hoping, but it's a really, really well done detective story. It really is. The Little Mermaid is a stripper. It's crazy. I don't think that. It's really well done. I don't know if that's, that's accurate. Well, it says it's on Steam. I don't, I don't have that. Also, The Wolf Among Us 2 was pushed back to next year in March of this year. Not, yes. a, not, a, good, not a good vibe. Oh. Over the Wolf Among Us, I believe you can get that on PlayStation. Fifteen bucks, which I know you have. Free delivery, thirty day returns. It's super good. I devoured it. I actually played this. I think I had the flu. This is many moons ago, and it, it felt like a fever dream. But it was just super well done. I think I played it in an entire day because I was homesick from work, and I just binged it, and it was great. But this is why, like, I this is I think part of what's drawing me to Alan Wake is that. It seems like a mystery. And granted, I don't need all the supernatural trappings of that. I honestly just want a good old fashioned, like, like honestly, and I think we talked about this like many, many episodes ago. There was some Sherlock Holmes thing at E3 or something. Can you have like a Sherlock Holmes game? I think that would be fascinating. Just like walking around, talking to folks, gathering clues. It doesn't have to be long. Actually, it just has to be. You know what? You know what you should look into then? Buying Disco- Detective Pikachu. Well, that too. Disco Elysium would be up your alley, I think. I've heard of Disco Elysium. You have. Why? It is essentially exactly what you just said. You're walking around talking to people and trying to solve a mystery. But isn't it like murder? I, I want a game experience that it's gonna take me it's gonna take me no more than like three hours. This is a lengthy game, but everybody I've talked to so like I did try to play it and then summer hit and I never went back to it and then I forgot everything that I needed to remember. But everybody who I've known who has played it says that the time flies because you just get sucked into this world. And like the writing is great. I think I, I think I'm wanting something that's very specific. But like and I, I've played some games. Gone Home was not a mystery, but it was. And I'll, also, I know you played Firewatch. Like I want something that's that long and like probably more of a so, mystery than Firewatch because Firewatch was like kind of a mystery, but not really. It was more just like an interesting story. The Wolf Among Us, that would be right up your alley. It's the same sort of walking simulator type deal. Yeah, I, I like, I'd rather simulate walking than walk. So, sounds good to me. But yeah, Detective Pikachu returns. This is coming out. This is another thing interesting we need to talk about with this game. It's coming out October 6th of 2023. That puts it in like direct competition with like Spider-Man 2, which I don't know if that was their intent, but it seems 
dangerous. I guess what you have to ask yourselves is how much crossover is there between that audience and, you know, the Detective Pikachu audience? Because, yeah, also, I mentioned Alan Wake 2. That's October 17th. Spider-Man 2 is October 20th. I guess is the implication that this game can be played in that span of, like, two weeks before the big daddies come out, so you're going to buy it? I don't know. That's an, that's an interesting one. I mean, probably. Is this going to... I mean, the other big question is, have, with you guys having never played Detective Pikachu, is this a buy for you and you'll just figure it out along the way? Yes. Yeah. 100%. 100%. Okay, wow. In fact, 97%. 97%. That's very specific. So there's 3% wiggle room in there. Something could happen, but I guess... I gotta keep my options open. I guess we'll see. So yeah, Detective Pikachu returns... October 6th of 2023. It's going to be here before we know it. Time flies when you're having fun podcasting with your friends. That brings me to my next point, which is that we would not be here without the marvelous, unwavering support of our good friend, Mr. Stephen Keller. Stephen is a Patreon producer on this show. He supports us at the highest of our three levels on our Patreon, which is the night level. As a result, he gets this weekly shout out in every episode he gets input into the weekly game segment he gets the occasional guest spot on the show and he of course gets access to the monthly secret segment and vlog you want to be like steven you want to hang out with us you want to hang out with him but there's also two lower levels of support on our patreon one is the squire level which gets you access to the monthly secret segment and vlog and also you have to carry around steven's night stuff because i think that's what a square does and there's the page and i've never bothered to figure out what a page does but they get access to the monthly secret segment so that's a pretty good perk for the page. You can head over to patreon.com slash online warriors podcast to get any and all of the details on any and all of those levels of support. And you can say hi to us. You can say hi to Steven. You can see what content we are rolling out over there for our fans. Consider giving back to us. Consider keeping the microphones on here at online warriors podcast incorporated, which is not a real corporation. And uh, yeah, patreon.com slash online warriors podcast is where you can find all of those details. Thanks again to Steven. We'll be right back to talk about Uncharted. I'm Madam Chris. And I'm Madam Amy. And we're the hosts of the Madam's Podcast, where it's all about movies, minus the mansplaining. Every week, we discuss a film that fits into a quirky theme for the month. And there's plenty of bonus content on our Patreon feed, too. So if you're looking for commentary that'll make you laugh and think, you found your new favorite show. New episodes of The Madams drop on Mondays wherever you get your podcasts. And you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at The Madams Pod or on our website, themadamspod.com. So, Uncharted was a movie that came out. That's the most good I can say about it, really. Did you guys wind up watching Uncharted? No, we figured we'd save the time. Yeah, that's for a, like our life. I, th- I think that was like a decent move. So the story here is that one of the producers of Uncharted had an interview with the Hollywood Reporter, and he said that they're definitely looking to further adapt Naughty Dog's popular PlayStation series as a film franchise. This comes to the surprise of absolutely no one ever. However, I've got some questions. So some mild spoilers for both the games and also the latest mission impossible are about to come if you're interested in not being spoiled for either of those things maybe turn your volume down for the next like two minutes i don't know i don't know how long i'm going to be ranting so 
the the problem that i see here is uncharted both as a movie and as a game series revolves directly around set pieces in the first movie spoiler alert uncharted grabbed a set piece from the third uncharted game in which nathan drake basically i don't think he jumps out of a plane he falls out of a plane and like attaches himself to a cargo crate that has a parachute on it and that's how he survives but it's like a really really cool set piece in the game and in the movie it's like probably the best part it's gonna need one of those big set pieces ideally it would take one of those big set pieces from one of the games the most famous set piece i would argue the most famous set piece in all of the uncharted games was just used arguably stolen by the latest mission impossible movie there's been some twitter sorry there's been some x discourse about this Obviously, the Mission Impossible folks insist they didn't steal it. Obviously, the Uncharted people insist that they did steal it. But long story short, there's a train that's like hanging off a cliff and Nathan Drake and or Ethan Hunt is climbing up the train to safety. It's a really cool set piece once again. Because of the overlap between those two audiences and because of the the potential time scale here, I feel like they can't use that. I don't know where that leaves them. And also, I didn't think the first Uncharted was that good. So I don't even know if I'm going to see this. But I will say, wow, I will say this made $139 million in its opening weekend, which... Right, but how much did it cost? Uh, according to Hollywood, it probably cost $139 and one penny or something. That's that's how they tend profit. to do things. Yeah. Well, no, actually, it'd be a, it's no profit, so they don't have to pay anybody. That's kind of how it goes. I will give this movie its due. I watched it. It was a great Netflix watch in the sense that it cost me no money. And I watched it, and I pretty immediately forgot about most of it. Tom Holland was not bad, nor was Mark Wahlberg. Assuming that they are retained for a sequel, I don't have a huge issue with that. I have uh, plenty of other issues, but those those two are not the issue to me. I don't know. I just part of me feels like not everything should be a franchise. It makes sense that this that this would be, but there's plenty of other video games that I would love to see made into movies first. Is that am, am I just being crotchety? I know I tend to be on this show. You tell me. Is this an Ill- let, let's 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 Rotten Tomatoes it? Is it is this an illegal take? And it and it actually was was acclaimed much better than you are saying. But that's or, a really good question. Let's let's check the tape. Or is or is it actually well received? And this makes sense holistically. And you're just a crotchety person, which we've seen before on this show, right? We all know illegal is crotchety. Forty percent uh, critic score. Yeah. Never mind. They shouldn't make another. Ninety. I think you're warranted on this one. Ninety percent audience score, but yeah, I, mm. I don't. I'm not crotchety. I don't think I'm crotchety on this one. I think this like kind of wasn't that good, and now they're like, "What if we made another one?" Because it made a bunch of money. Which I tend to side with the audience scores, though. Usually, critics are just kind of all over the place. I feel like, but the audience score, I think this makes sense. I really do. I'm, I'm gonna. I'm gonna be a bit of a contrarian to you. And I think this makes sense based on how well the audience score received it. You guys have no attachment to this franchise. So if I were to guess, you would watch this movie and I don't think you would be overjoyed, but I think you would be like, yeah, it was fine. I don't think you'd be remotely excited about it, but I think you'd be like, that was an okay movie. Would you feel 90% good about it? I, I don't think so. There's been action movies that have surprised me. Like what was that? For example, The Old Guard, I thought was really, really well. The audience score was really, really well, but you poo-pooed it, if I remember correctly. Illegal does tend, in, in the nicest way possible, I, come down I would hard. say if you, yeah. al- if you aligned, if I had to choose what camp you aligned in, the critic camp or like the audience score camp, 
you 100% are always going to align with the critics, I feel like. For the most part, I feel like you look at things because you wanted to be like a movie reviewer at one point. And so I think you look at things with a more critical lens than the average schmo. I'm inclined and my wife, my wife gives me a hard time for that too. She, I pu- I However, Mission Impossible like gets under the radar. I'm not sure. Well, Mission Impossible is the best of both worlds. It's super critically acclaimed and the audiences love it. Like Mission Impossible should make perfect sense to you if if you're if Meh. your analysis of me should fold directly into Mission Impossible. It's critically beloved, like across the board. Meh. Also, interesting fact: the old guard got an eighty percent critic score and a seventy percent audience score, so it actually was flipped. Oh, weird. So you did. Uh, now my comment's completely blown up. Way to go! Should just let me have that one. I don't know. I th- I don't I don't think you're wrong. I think I think audience scores on Rotten Tomatoes in general tend to be way too forgiving. Like that's I I think. And I don't, I don't want to like it's, it would be the most crotchety thing ever to be like people aren't watching movies through a critical enough lens i just think like i just think as a society we're so much more inclined to come out of a movie theater and be like yeah it was fine uh, rather than be like that wasn't good and i don't really know why that is but i think in some way it's because if we paid money for something we don't want to admit that we wasted it and on netflix with things like the old guard and uncharted yes i know i pay money for a netflix subscription but like the same rules do not apply so for me, I'm especially willing and at that point to be like, this was kind of a waste of time and money. And you can say that about a lot of things on Netflix. Uncharted at the end does tease directly in Uncharted 2. I don't remember exactly how. I would assume it has something to do with Nathan Drake's brother because he comes up a lot in the first one, spoiler alert, but I don't know if he ever shows up. So if I were to guess what direction they were going to go in, I would guess it's somewhere in that direction. To, to the credit of the people who made uncharted and 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 to the credit of of this guy's comments i think there's a solid space in hollywood amongst all the franchises and all of the things that are happening with the i guess exception of indiana jones which i think is like dying out this is a genre hole that i think could be filled like swashbuckling treasure hunting you know daring do i i i think that's i think there's a place for that i don't know if i'd much rather it be a new character but I don't I think I'm going to get that wish. Yeah, I'm. I'm not. I, I think I've come to terms with that. I'm not going to get that wish. Hollywood has been dead set on making one of the new treasure hunting, hot swashbuckling franchises based off a video game. They tried it with Lara Croft, sort of worked. Then they rebooted it, sort of worked, and then they're like, "Screw it, let's let's go the other route. Let's try Uncharted." Sort yeah. of worked. I would so say the, I feel like the the reboot definitely didn't work. I don't think. I think that movie made like two bucks. i thought it didn't do poorly from like a critical reception standpoint but nobody went to see it 2018 alicia vikander it got a 53 and a 55 okay guess not pretty not great (laughs) pretty about as average as you could get sorry i'm thinking the rebooted video games might be might be oh yeah those were good those were good yeah the movie was like i think most people were like why did this get made and that was a very valid question the answer, of course, being to fill this the, the very Hollywood gap that we're talking about. They just did it in a very ineffective way. I just like, I don't know. It, it's it's an interesting genre because it's hard to... The genre is obviously dominated by Indiana Jones. It is very hard to create a character out of thin air with as much panache and like, I don't know, X Factor as Indiana Jones has, as like in his prime Harrison Ford had. So... I guess I don't begrudge Hollywood for like wanting to have a blueprint to start doing that and they can take it from things like Uncharted and Tomb Raider. But I don't know. It doesn't seem like they're working. It's They're arguing that it worked for Uncharted because it made them money. But did it really satisfy anyone? 
I don't think so. Like, I just, I don't, that 90% audience score, I feel like is a load of hooey, but. See, but I think Hollywood as a whole is struggling. I just, I, I think we've, and we've talked about this, right? We've kind of passed the age of really, really good movies. Like, there are still good movies that come out, but it's really far and few between. Yeah, these these are interesting times in Hollywood. I mean, I think the MCU dominated the space for a while, and it was entitled to do so, and it was it was right. When, it, when, when the MCU was doing well, it made sense, and it was great. In the wake of that, there is... They forgot how to make movies. Yeah, there, there is exactly that. There is a wake where, like, things just aren't really working, and... This is perhaps emblematic of that. And now, yeah, now we're getting into to deeper discussional waters. But, like, I just don't think Uncharted 2 is the answer. If only because they can't do the train thing. Mission Impossible did the train thing. Come on, guys. They'll think of something, I, I have no doubt. And like I said, if they get Tom Holland and Mark Wahlberg back, I don't think it's going to fail. I'm just also not that interested. And I'm not sure who would be. Like, I want an event movie. That is not going to be an event movie. That's going to be like a line item movie where they make some money off of it. And like, who cares? You know, I'm asking for a lot. I'm aware of that. But I think if we all asked hard enough, we would get it or at least we'd get a shot at it. They're not even taking a chance at doing it. And instead, we're getting we're getting this. So yeah, Uncharted 2. It's coming at some point. We don't know when. I do think I heard at some point prior to this that like they got Tom Holland on like a three picture deal or something because that's how this works. Yeah, I thought I heard that back when he was like saying he was going to retire or something like that. I thought I heard that as well. He said he was going to retire and then they were like, what if we offered you $10 billion? And he was like, I'm in, baby. Probably want something like that. Although it probably wasn't $10 billion. That seems like a lot. Mark Wahlberg would probably do it for like a Popeye's chicken sandwich at this point. But Tom Holland, he's going to need the big bucks. I don't know. Mark Wahlberg is also very popular, I guess. I just can't imagine him like twisting a studio's arm to like for them to like get him to be in this movie. So yeah, we'll see. Uncharted 2. Uncharted 2, the game, I think is the best game. You know, there there are things they could do, but I'm not sure they're going to do them. That's, I guess, what my point is. It's time for What Are You Up To Wednesday? And it's time for Nerd Bomber to tell us what she's been up to, for lack of a better term. All right. So two big things. First off, Mulkey. Mulkey is a Finnish game that I've just discovered, and this is a lawn game. Hold your horses. I'm, I'm about to teach you some lawn game lore, I guess. I don't know. I played this game for the first time this past week. It's very interesting, and I immediately bought it. But basically what it is, so it's almost like bowling, but also not quite. Bowling and lawn darts kind of put together. So you make like your your triangle of these pins and each of the pins have a different value on the face. And then you have this big wooden dowel that you throw at the pins, right? And depending on what you knock down. So if you knock down more than one pin, then your score increases by the number of pins that you've knocked down. If you only knock down one pin, then your score increases by the number on that single pin. And as you knock them down, when you prop the pins back up, you prop them up where they landed. So the first person starts with a nice triangle and for a few throws, it stays as a nice triangle, but eventually, you know, they move farther and farther away from each other. There's some strategy like you can really throw it at one and, you know, knock it out of bounds and completely get rid of a pin. And whoever hits 
50 first wins. However, if you exceed 50 at any point, your score drops down to 25. Is it a team game or an individual game? It can be played as a team game. It can be played individually. The way that I played it was individually. It actually made it, you know, pretty fun because a lot of strategy once the pins start to spread out comes into play. And I don't know. It's very cool. I had never heard of it before. Apparently, there is a Mulkey World Championship and I'm determined like if you if you go on YouTube, you can see like the last few years Mulkey World Championship, and it's basically a bunch of people in like t-shirts and flip flops playing this game in, in like, like a this parking lot, gravel parking lot in like France, and that seems pretty dope to me. And I'm now convinced I want to be a Mulkey master. Have so you? I've purchased this game. Have it, you it's heard of? To come tomorrow. Have you heard of Coob? It's yeah. supposed to be a variation of that. Yeah, so so I have a Kube set myself. I've told her about Kube. Kube is Swedish. Very similar. You're throwing a dowel at stuff. It's, you, what you're describing sounds a little bit more involved in the sense that there are numbers. In Kube, there's no numbers. It's just throwing dowels at blocks, and then it's a team game, and the blocks move around, and there's things that happen. I won't get into the details, but long games, man, they're the best. They're the best. I'm all, I'm all about long games, so power to you so i'm gonna i'm gonna pin you guys down here pun intended because there's pins are you guys going to be on my mulkey team and you know become the very best because right now in the united states there's only like two mulkey clubs in the entire united states there's one in like brooklyn and there's one somewhere else and i think we could you know start our own mulkey chapter and go to the world championship i think we could you, do this. you need better than me i, I, I mean, don't think so i i don't i don't think i have the I don't think I have the juice when it comes to uh, certain wand games. Can Jam, for example, very good at Can Jam. Coob, I don't really have the juice, and this sounds very similar. Are you to good Kube. at cornhole? I'm not great at cornhole. Throwing stuff. You guys have been bowling with me before, I believe. If you haven't, let me just let me paint you a picture, and I can paint a picture for the listeners. You know how when people bowl, they they do what's known as following through, like they put the ball down and their arm comes up afterwards. Yeah. This is not how I bowl. When I when my hand when the ball leaves my hand, the motion is complete. There's no follow through. I'm done. That principle can be applied to most long games, and it typically does not help me out very much. I don't know what happened well, to me, we'll but see. it's it's yeah. I I I think I would. I mean, I haven't played this. I'm I'm up for it, but I did. I just don't want to let you down. I don't think you could let me down. There is no competition in the United States, really. So the world is our oyster. Nope. You can be the kingpin that all others have to beat there are so many i'm like on wikipedia by the way there are so many wooden just games based on throwing wood at other wood from countries that i don't even know there's a karelian game called kika there's a siberian game sorry a possibly siberian game called bunnik <laughs> this is i'm not making any of this up yeah mulky sounds cool yeah We'll be playing it soon, I promise. And then the other thing is I got back into Pokemon Go and I hate it, but I love it. I'm addicted. This is why I got out of the game in the first place. Man, it is, it's so good. I've been walking all over the place, tracking down new Pokemon. There is a Froakie community day, which if you're not familiar, Froakie is like a little frog. And then he eventually evolves into Greninja, which is basically like a sick Greninja, Greninja frog. And... I have so many, I had so many Froakies. I have now a shiny Greninja and a regular Greninja. It's super dope. I think the last time that I played, like it was in the zeitgeist of everybody playing, but there were no like community days. There's all of these like missions that you have to do now that did not exist when I played the game last. And I feel like it keeps it more engaging because now you're not just like 
catching Pokemon for the sake of catching Pokemon, there's actually like things that you have to check off a list. And if anybody knows me, if I have a checklist, I want to check stuff off that list. So whether it's a video game or real life, checklist and like tasks like that that I have to complete make me come back and it, it's, I'm having a lot of fun with it. I have a bunch of really strong Pokemon now for battles, which are also something that I don't think existed back in the day, but man, I'm having a lot of fun. It's pretty bad though. Like my phone battery is suffering, suffering. The best part is, so I never stopped playing it and through and through she would make fun of me. Ah, oh, no one plays it anymore. Well, look who's got the last laugh. <laughs> is it you? Cause you just laughed. It's, it's me. Hi. It's me. Hi. Tactic, what do you have for us? <laughs> Nerd Bomber, I assume that was it for you? Yeah, that was it. As for me and what I have been up to, well, it's been a get the get the house ready for a party kind of thing. I'm going to have my podcast pals over for a little soiree, and it's been getting it ready for like cocktails and some outdoor games, as she mentioned. That's why she bought milk. Mulky. Mulky. Get it right. That's why she bought it. No, no, I'll be calling it Milky forever. Thanks. That's why she bought it so that we can get together with our podcast pals, have some Mai Tais and some other beverages, and have a good time. So that's been like my going strong on there. So while I'm cleaning and and finishing up some projects, she's just standing there flicking balls in the Pokemon Go app. Yeah, that's a good choice of words. Right on, man. I'm looking forward to it. I'm one of the podcast pals. So Yeah, no, uh, on my end, not a whole lot to update on, but I do want to mention that I got a new car, which is like a very, I feel like that's in a very adult, like, what are you up to update? But it's my first ever electrically capable vehicle, and it's not a full electric vehicle, but it's electric enough where I'm learning a lot of things about electric vehicles. So that's going to be an ongoing process. For example, below a certain miles per hour they're completely silent and to account for that there's a speaker on the outside of the car that like plays some nice little like angelic choir elevator music to let people know that there's a car driving nearby and i didn't know that until i test drove the car and i was like that's weird so i'll be getting used to that stuff like that but overall just really enjoying the experience so far also i went camping i don't have a whole lot specific to say about it other than that people should go camping it's a lot of fun especially this time of year when the weather is nice that brings us to quiz time i believe tactic you are the man of the hour today given that you won last week let's go through the standings tactic is eight and seven nerd bomber seven and nine yours truly seven and ten steven three and oh so i am currently bottom dog but it's a short ride to the top to be top dog and i plan on riding that train starting at this very station so tactic why don't you take us away let us know what the topic is and uh take us on a journey so it's a long way to the top if you want to rock and roll. The other thing I want to say is that Christopher Paolini is the author of the Aragon books. How old was he when he wrote his first draft of Aragon? I go first, right? Because I'm the loserish loser. You are the, the you are the least the less loser. You are the least loser. loser. The no, the the littlest. No, I'm the biggest the loser. Littlest? Yeah, I'm the biggest loser. You're the littlest loser. But I still go first. You go go first for sure. Yeah, you go first. Wasn't he like twelve or something ridiculous? It's twelve. It's twelve. Your answer? Yes. Yeah, he was. He was like a child. Unfortunately, I think you're really close. I'm going to use my plus one right away and say thirteen. 
Okay. Illegal gets this one. He was Shoot. 15 years old. Oh, yeah. I, I had to do had to do it to him, Nerd Bobber. I mean, that, that you were very close with your guests, and I we both kind of knew where things were on that. The, the quiz topic is Aragon, people, for, for in case you weren't sure. I like questions that both teach you things and build off each other. So he was 15 when he wrote his first draft of Aragon, and his family actually self-published the book. In what year? Did it finally get self-published by his family? Oh, man, this is tricky. So, full disclosure, I'm a big Aragon fan, or at least I was. I haven't read them in a long time, but when I first read them, your boy was kind of obsessed. So, I have a vague idea of when this was. I just don't have the particulars. I'm going to say 2004. This is really tough. I don't know whether to undercut you or overcut you. Um, Just cut me. That's a really good guess. I'm going to say 1995 to undercut and give myself some buffer. I feel like I might have messed up, though. All right. So keeping it keeping it tight, Nerd Bomber gets this one. So I asked this question because after being published by his parents, he was then it was published, published like for a worldwide real. audience in 2003. But the original self-publishing date was in 2001. So Nerd Bomber gets this one. So I would have busted even with the real date. I suck. All right, one to one. I mean, that was very close, though. No, like, no, no, 2003 no, no. was no, when. No, I suck. I suck. No, 2003 was when the book came out. Like, I think Scholastic published it, right? Well, what? So you are a year off. That's pretty good. I, I, I suck. Take us, take us away, Technic. All right. In 2006, the, the book series received a movie adaptation. How much worldwide did it make in the box office? It's the worldwide. I do remember it had an Avril Lavigne original song. I think it did fairly well at the box office, like in terms of money, but was not good in terms of being an actual movie. I'd say it did, because money was cheaper back then. <laughs> That's true. Money <laughs> money was cheaper. Th- th- I'll tell you, those were the days. I'm going to say $150 million. It feels like a lot, but I'm going to say it. I, I think this like I think this like bombed pretty hard. I'm going to say $50 million. So Nerd Bomber takes this one. It did really well, and made 250.4 million dollars like people went to see it everyone just walked out and was super disappointed in it yeah I, this is, again I, audience scores are wrong why did you go people it's it's it wasn't good i didn't see it and well, i love the books then, no i'm sorry back then you didn't know as easily if movies were good because many re- movie reviews that i don't even know if rotten tomatoes existed back then it did like you had to did it yeah I don't think people used it as widely. You couldn't get it on your smartphone because smartphones were not a thing. So you had to like beep, boop, 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 boop on your computer. Or you could just go see the movie about the book that you really loved. And people just did that. I think the audience score was still spot on, though. People panned it. Rotten Tomatoes was launched in 1998, by the way. I just looked it up. So anyways, I didn't realize we had a self-proclaimed Aragon expert on the line. So this one might be a give me. I'm sorry. How many Aragon books are there? Oh, well, okay. I go first, right? Yeah. Four, right? I'm pretty sure it's four. Four. I don't know how to proceed here. I can't tell if they did the... I think he split the third book up into two, but it stopped with four. I don't want to waste my plus one on this, but I don't get another option anyway, right? Like, I don't follow up again. I guess I'll say five. You have to understand the rules of the game. When you're in this situation, you don't have any more turns. You always plus one. Okay. 
So I respect the fact that you did that because you you follow the rules of the game. So at at the very least, you've yelled at me for not following rules. He's yelled. He's yelled at both. He's yelled at both. At at the very least, you followed the rules for the game. He's very passionate. So respect, appreciate that, and it also served you well. It was five books. So good job. Really? Yeah. That's why you got to listen to me. So there must have been some like companion because the the main series is four books. There must have been some book afterwards that I didn't read because it was originally the Inheritance trilogy, and then Nesner Bomber said. The third book was split into two books because he realized it was too long and it became the inheritance cycle. So something must have happened after the inheritance cycle that I have no knowledge of, but that's fair yeah, play. So it was Aragon, Eldest, Brinsinger, Inheritance, Murtag. That's right. I forgot that came out. Murtag that's coming out. out. Tw- yep, yeah, it's not out yet. Still Does that counts. count then? Still counts. Still counts. That's what I had in my question. That's why it was a tricky. See if you guys were keeping up. So it's coming. It's it has yet to come out. November twenty twenty three. I guess you can debate because I said how many are there, eh, but I, I had five as my answer. And no, it's fair play. It's fair play. She wins. This this one cuts deep because I know a lot about Aragon, or at least I thought I did. But you know, sometimes it uh, sometimes it be like that, for lack of a better term. And there's one more well, question. There's, so. there's one more question just for like brownie points, and maybe she'll get a win with an asterisk. So Christopher describes his characters as stiffening under various situations in the first four books how many times does someone stiffen what a strange really this is a great question what a strange statistic yeah i i I don't even know how you found this i think reddit for this one in just the first book or the series in the first four books series how many times does a character stiffen in other words the books that are actually out I mean, they're long books. Yeah, that was me. I was pouring some salt. Glad it was. It was uh, well, this this will determine this will determine if you would have won or lost either way. There's like, what? There are three, four, maybe even five hundred page books. Maybe someone stiffens <laughs> a third. Everyone, a third of those pages. This four books. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. But I'm gonna knock some off to give myself some buffer here. I'm gonna say three fifty. 350 stiffeners that seems high i'm gonna go i'm just gonna undercut you i'm just gonna go 25 and see what happens so illegal takes this one he knows that it is unrealistic to be that stiff that much right it's just physiologically (laughs) unsound they're basically standing still the whole right novel according (laughs) to nerd bomber (laughs) right how many okay how many times was it how many times was someone stiffed up 48 times Oh, that's like very little. Okay, wow. I'm glad I learned yeah, that so hard. See, that's kind of a tricky question. Like, yeah, that, that was... yeah, you made it seem like it was happening a lot. So. Well, it's just funny that he just repetitively says they stiffened when the men were approaching. That's that's a direct line from the book. Nerd bomber, you, you, the win is yours. I'm I'm very sad, but I'm not I'm not going to put an asterisk on it because I I I respect you and I respect the rules of the game. So tactic, do better next time writing a quiz. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's my feedback is technically the fifth does exist it exists whatever you say man thanks again to everyone who listened to this episode hit us up on apple Podcasts. leave us a review there hit us up on our our x what do you even call them now hit us up on our x's that sounds so weird we're on there handles mentioned previously in the episode let us know when you go to bed every night and when you wake up in the morning that seems like interesting things for us to know and converse with you about and uh, let us know what you think about any of the topics we discussed today uncharted tmnt the last ronin detective pikachu returns etc y'all have a great week stay safe and keep on podcasting